0: So we're starting a new message series this morning called The Challenge. And before I get into uh, what the series is about, there's a little backstory story to, uh uh, how we uh, got to uh, to the series. And that is, uh, it started with my aunt was um, moving and downsizing and needing to get rid of some furniture that had been in the family for a number of years. And so she shipped to me my, uh, uh, my grandma's uh, uh, table, dining room table from 1940-something. She uh, shipped several other pieces of furniture, but then she also shipped something that was my great-grandma's and uh, there was not consensus on where to put the end table for my great-grandma in my house. Uh, So I brought it up to the church and uh, decided to put it in my office. Uh, but I didn't have room for it, so I had to make room for it. So I got rid of a bookcase and a bunch of books. And so a couple months, I had a bunch of books out there that um, some of you uh, went through and, uh, and were able to make use of some of them. Uh, but not only did I get rid of the bookcase and, and a bunch of books, I just went through some drawers and some different files. And as I was going through my files, I found this like this, this booklet, and, and it said uh, the challenge on it. And I was looking at it, and I'm like, I wonder what this is. And and I started to flip through it, and and it looked like like maybe a message series I had done, but like at first I had no memory of it. And as I'm flipping through it, I'm kind of like, oh, huh? Well, this is kind of good. Uh, and and what I did this, I said, I don't know about you guys, but like. It, I remember the things that I want to remember and there's a whole bunch of stuff I don't remember. And so all the times like I can go back and look at previous sermons I wrote years ago or like this booklet and I'm sitting there and I'm like, wow, I did that? I said that? And I can impress myself all over. It's like the best thing about not having good memory is like you can constantly reimpress yourself, right? And so as I'm like flipping through it, it was a sermon series that I did in November of 2008. Um, the church was just eight years old then, and uh, and it was a series that I developed to try to encourage people to grow in their faith and as a congregation for us to be basically all that we can be as a congregation. And as I'm flipping through it, I'm looking at it, and I'm starting to be like, all right, I, I think I vaguely remember this, uh, but I thought, you know what, uh, it's 15 years later, and like I It was still relevant today as it was in 2008. And so I ended up taking that booklet and and I reworked it a little bit. It was originally five weeks long. And so I reworked it down to four weeks long, kind of tweaked the topics a little bit. And I decided that, you know what? It would be a good thing to reissue a challenge to all of us here at Light of the World to grow in our faith and to make our ministry grow stronger. And so that's what uh, I'm going to be working through with you guys over the next uh, month or so. I'd ask you to, to try to make every effort to be here for every week for the next month so that as we grow in our faith, we might grow together as a family and it might ultimately benefit the ministry as a whole. Um, so... If you want to open your, uh, your booklet that you got, uh, let me first say, uh, these will be available every week. I- ideally, if you remember to bring it back, great. Um, but if you don't, there'll be more next week. But you can also, if you prefer to like have a f- copy on your phone, you, uh, there's a PDF version on our website, uh, so you can get to it by either the homepage of the website or that QR code that's up there, and, uh, and you can download it on your phone. But But the gist of it is is there's a topic, and then there's a Bible passage, and then there's some thoughts about that Bible passage, and then there's gonna be a series of questions that I'd like you to consider at some point after you hear the message, whether later today or throughout the week. And so this morning, we're gonna take a look at our first lesson, uh, listed there as October 8th, and it's called A Fork in the Road. Are we gonna follow the world or are we gonna follow God? Now, forks are in the road of life all the time. Um, Some of them are small, like you had the opportunity to come to church this morning or not. You had other things going on, right? I'm a Bills fan and and Bills are like losing, uh, but I, well, I didn't really have a choice. But if you are a Bills fan, you had a choice to stay home and watch them blow a game they should win today. Uh, but, but potentially you didn't, and, and you're here and, and good. Like we have these many forks in the road all day long in which we can we can make choices, and and, and it might affect things one way or the other. But then there's going to be like not all infrequently. There's like major forks in the road that that we face that ultimately might determine like how our life turns out. Now, you know, for those of us who are older, or maybe some of you who are at that stage in your life, maybe you, had, you, know, you made the decision, am I gonna go to college or am I not? And you had to decide, you know, what were you gonna go to college for? Which college were you gonna go to? These are different, significant forks in the road. Um, some other like, significant forks in the road is like, do I wanna get married? Who will I marry? Um, Where will I live? Where do I want to work? This is a big one that happens at some point after you've worked for like maybe 10 years in your career or your occupation, what you went to school for. Maybe you have a general dissatisfaction. It's like, do I keep doing that or do I go, go off on my own and start my own business? Or maybe you've been at a company for 20 years and there's all kinds of security and stability, but there's this new startup company and there's some risk involved, but, but maybe the potential for growth and, and improvement and increase is there. So, you know, which way do you go on that? When do you retire and what does that look like? See, there, there, there's a lot of different like decisions that we face, there's some relatively minor, but some fairly significant and when it comes to forks in the road they can be scary because the truth is is like it's choose your own adventure if you choose wrongly you may be paying for that choice for the rest of your life and and so that can be it can be scary but it also can be exciting, right, when we have these forks in the road, because we, we potentially have these opportunities and, and these things that we might get to experience and that, that maybe we never thought we would, so they can be both scary and exciting at the same time. Well, I want to talk to you this morning about a fork in the road from a spiritual standpoint, uh, but to kind of get us into that mindset, I want to start by talking a little bit about Israel and a story that happened to them because Israel had lots of forks in the road in their history of following and sometimes not following God. Well, almost all of you are familiar with the fact that Israel spent some time enslaved in Egypt. And you're familiar with the story of of the plagues, the 10 plagues and, and Moses brings the people of Israel out of Egypt and then like, as they leave Egypt, they, they head into the desert. That's when God gives them the 10 commandments. And, and after the 10 commandments, uh, Moses is, is leading them to the, the promised land, the, the, land that God had promised to Abraham and the descendants of Abraham. And as they, as they reached the border of, of, of that land that God had given them, there would be a fork in the road for them. And that is, do you go and take possession of this land that he's given you? Or do you stay just kind of in the desert where it's safe, but not real comfortable? Well, Israel wasn't sure. So they took 12 spies and sent them into the land. Now, each spy was the head of or a representative of each of the 12 tribes of Israel. So they go into the land and they're amazed by what they see. It's a beautiful land. It literally flows, you know, they say with milk and honey. I mean, the the, the fruit is is amazing and beyond, uh, you know, understanding and, and, and their wildest dreams and all this great stuff. But when they come back, like the question is, is are you going to go into the land? Are you not? And 10 of the 12 said, no, we're not. Because there's giants in the land. Yeah, they're, 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 it might be a beautiful land, but the city's well fortified the people are huge they're gonna smush us they have all this weaponry and and so they choose not to follow where god would have them go and as a result they paid for it for the rest of their life they they were not allowed to enter into that land and for the next 40 years literally (coughs) they're wandering around a desert a miserable pitiful existence why because they chose the wrong fork until that whole generation that was responsible for that decision until they died. And now... After they died, Moses himself has died, and now Joshua, who happened to be one of the twelve spies, two of them said, "Let's take the land." Joshua was one of them. Joshua is now leading Israel, and they have the choice for themselves this time. Are you? Is this generation willing to, in obedience, go into the scary land with these well-fortified cities and, and these really large people that live there, or, or, or do you just you want to wander in the desert for another 40 years until you die and? and and the people choose to to go into the land and so as they go into the land Joshua leads them and the land's occupied and so they they have to basically conquer all of these these peoples all of these nations that are living in the land and they do. And after they're done conquering them all, Joshua himself is starting to get up there in age and isn't going to be living much longer. And so he, he stands before, the, he, call, he assembles all of Israel and its leaders together, and he gives this very inspirational speech, reminding them of what God has done for them in the past and asking them to choose for themselves. Now, which fork are you going to follow? Are you going to follow the Lord? Are you going to follow the, the, the false gods of your ancestors? I want to start by taking a look at that from Joshua 24, verses 1 to 15. Now, mind you, the, everything's oral back Back then, there there wasn't like these history books where where this generation of Israelites had all this stuff written down for them that they're able to read about what God has done. So Joshua is is reminding this new generation about what God has done for the people of Israel since the calling of Abraham. Joshua 24, one to 15. And then Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. He summoned the elders, and the leaders, and the judges, and the officials of Israel, and they all came and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and Nahor, they lived beyond the Euphrates River, and they worshipped false gods. But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates, and I led him throughout Canaan, and I gave him many descendants. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. I assigned the hill country of Seir to Esau, but to Jacob and his family, they went down to Egypt. And then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I afflicted the Egyptians by what I did there, and I brought you up out of Egypt." And when I brought your people up out of Egypt, you came to the sea. And the Egyptians pursued them with chariots and horsemen as far as the Red Sea. But then they cried to the Lord for help. And so the Lord put darkness between you and the Egyptians. He brought the sea over them and covered them. And you saw with your own eyes what I did to the Egyptians. And then you lived in the wilderness for a long time. I brought you out to the land of the Amorites who lived east of the Jordan. They fought against you, but I gave them into your hands. I destroyed them from before you and you took possession of their land. And when Balak, the son of Zippor, the king of Moab, prepared to fight against Israel, he sent for Balaam, the son of Beor to put a curse on you. But I would not listen to Balaam. So he blessed you again and again and I delivered you out of his hand. And then you crossed over the Jordan and came to Jericho. And the citizens of Jericho fought against you as also did the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Cainites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. I gave them all into your hands. I sent the hornet ahead of you, which drove them out before you. Also the two Amorite kings, You did not do it with your own sword or bow. So I gave you a land on which you did not toil and cities that you did not build. And now you live in them and you eat from the vineyards and the olive groves that you did not plant. Joshua says, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods that your ancestors worship beyond the Euphrates and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether it's the gods of your ancestors that they serve beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. But as for me and for my household, we will serve the Lord. And I love, I mean, this is an inspirational passage. You, you have this new generation of the Israelites. How many, many of them knew the history? It's hard to say. But he talks about the, the goodness of God that, that he called Abraham from a, a group of people that believed in false gods. He even talks about the fact that while they were in Egypt, they served false gods, yet God still delivered them. And he makes it clear, listen, it wasn't you who conquered all the people of the land. He says, I went before you, I sent before you like a hornet. He sent his angels before them. I mean, they thought they were fighting and doing the fighting, but God cleared the way for them so that now they're living in places that they didn't have to build. And they're eating vineyards and and, and, and fruit and, and vegetables of the land that they didn't have to plant. And now it's time for them to speak for themselves. Because before Moses spoke for the people and then Joshua speaking for the people, but there's a time when a child must grow up and speak for themselves. And Joshua's like, what are you going to do? Who are you going to follow? Because Joshua says, for me and for my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And look at how the people respond. Joshua 24, 16 to 18. So the people answered, far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. It was the Lord our God himself who brought us and our parents up out of Egypt from the land of slavery, who performed the great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey amongst the nations through which we traveled and the Lord drove out before us all of the nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land. And the people themselves say, we too will serve the Lord. He is our God. And you think Joshua would be like, yeah, all right, let's, let, let's do this thing. But he doesn't. Look at how Joshua responds to the people saying that they're gonna serve the Lord. Joshua said to the people, you're not able to serve the Lord. He is a holy God. He's a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion. He won't forgive your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn and bring disaster on you. And he will make an end of you. He will wipe you out after he has been good to you. And the people come back and say, nonetheless, we will serve the Lord. I love this pushback of Joshua. He's like, you can't go into this half-heartedly. You can't be like willy-nilly. You you can't straddle the fence. Like either you're going to serve the Lord your God. And if you are, serve him with all of your heart, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. Or don't serve him at all. Because if you say you're going to serve them, but th- then you become unfaithful to them, and if you turn back to, to the gods of your ancestors or the gods of this land or the gods that were worshipped in Egypt, it is not going to work out well for you. And how different is that from like the message of the church today? Think about like the, the, the church. like We're like, hey... Come one, come all. God loves all, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, we're all in different places. We're all this, this, that, just, just come on. we, like, we bribe people to come to church. Like, it, it's not about co- and faithfulness serving God. Like, every Easter, and it happened this last Easter, there's going to be some church in the Metroplex that's going to have some big raffle that, you know, if you show up to their church, you know, there, it was the startup church this last Easter, they, they gave away, a, like, a, a luxury car. Because, listen, the, the message of the, of the cross and the empty tomb <laughs> you can get a car. Hey, you go and visit churches, they, 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 they've got special parking for visitors, right up close. Come on, visit, we, we, we make it easy. They got special gifts. A lot of them will even give you a gas card. You don't, you don't even have to pay your own gas money to go to church. We kind of beg people to go to church. I, how differently is that from like Joshua and Jesus? Like the modern church, we're, we, we compete with each other, right? Someone just said that, told me after second service, there's a church that like, all they had is like, it's all about candy or something like that, you know, because like Halloween's coming. There's a good church message for you, candy and Halloween, woo We argue with one another. We got more groups. Come to this church, because we got we got small groups, we got groups. Don't worry about the message of Jesus on the cross and just obediently following Jesus. We got groups. Oh, they got groups. We got rock walls. We got big rock walls. We have more fun. We got things for the kids, we got things for the singles, we got things for the seniors, you know, the 20s. I mean, we have it all, right? I mean, this is the competition that goes on like with all the churches. Joshua's like, are you sure? are you really willing to make this commitment to to serve God and be obedient to God? Jesus was constantly like just running people off by, by the, the things that he said. And in, in the modern church, it's like, we're just, man, if you got a pulse, come on. We have fun. I got a new member class that's gonna go on this afternoon. And what about at the end of it, if I'm like, all right, uh, how many of you wanna join? And after they raise your hands, I just say, are you sure? Why do you want to join? There's not going to be any benefit to you joining at all. There'll be no groups, there'll be no fun, there'll be no nothing. You think that would work? We probably wouldn't have 450 on a Sunday if I did that, right? And so we trip over ourselves in the church. Because it's not about just like out of obedience, following and serving God. It's, it's about all these accessories that get prioritized above following God in the first place. So there's some things about the spiritual forks in the road that I want to share with us this morning. Three different ones. And then I want to look at a couple of these questions. And the first is this. We need to have a fork in the road moment when it comes to our faith. Let me say that again. We need to have a fork in the road moment when it comes to our faith. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of us who are just kind of raised in the church and we go to church because that's just what you do. It's what I did as a kid and it's what I'm doing now. But, but there's never been that kind of d- decision of like, who are you going to serve this day? Are you, you going to serve yourself? Are you going to serve the world? Or, or are you, are you going to serve the Lord? So what I appreciate about the Baptists and now, I don't agree with this this decision theology of like you know I was saved and that that is something that we do because we understand that God does it. But I love that most Baptists, if you say like when were you saved? Ah oh, man, I was at camp when I was twelve and the the the, the pastor said this and, and and I had this experience and and, and that's when I became saved. The, the truth is, I mean, they had that moment, but for Baptists, just like any other you know Christian, uh, they may have had that moment, but that doesn't mean that that. that they're not on that roller coaster of, of up and down of being faithful to God and not being faithful to God but, but there's something to be said like at what point in your life did you, did you just say you know what as for me and my house I will serve the Lord you see God wants us to be all in are, are you, are you going to kind of straddle the fence or, or are you going to serve the Lord your God with all of your heart with all of your mind and with all of your strength. You see, you can't, you can't follow the world and also serve God with all of your heart, mind, and strength. Look at 1 John 2.15. It says, do not love the world or anything in it. Because anyone who loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. I mean... Reflect upon that for a second. You can't love the world and have the love of the Father in you. I mean, that's what we try to do in the church, right? That's why you know some churches—it's all about fun. It's all about the—we try to have both, but but you can't. They're they're two different paths. They're they're mutually exclusive. And this is the problem of like the modern church is like we, we make the modern church of the world and that's how we try to draw people in. I, I shared this on my podcast this, this, past, uh, this past week about an article I read about the Pope where the Pope came out and said that there might be the right situation. Sometimes that were out of pastoral loving, whatever, you know, uh, it would be okay to bless a same-sex marriage. And he says this because there was some German priests that, that did bless some same-sex marriages, and there were some conservative cardinals that looked to the Pope to say, would you please reaffirm the, like, the teachings of the, the Catholic Church and of the Bible that, that no, that you can't bless sin. And the Pope's response is not as a general rule and not equal to like the blessing of an actual marriage, but there's there's room in the right circumstances, the right situations that a pastor might, a priest might bless those. I mean, this is coming from the Catholic church that at least the last I heard of like, they don't, like if, if, if a Catholic marries a non-Catholic, they don't even recognize the wedding, unless that's changed, but, but yet, They're trying to do both things. They're trying to be faithful to God, but yet the reality of the world is like nowadays, like that's fine. I mean, it never has been throughout history and it hasn't been about the Bible, throughout like the Bible, but but it is fine nowadays. And so they're trying to do both. First John says you can't. You you can't pursue the things of this world and, and have the love of the Father in you. And we not only see that amongst the Catholic church, but like even amongst the non-denominationals, like a year, I think it was a year ago or so, Andy Stanley, like a very famous non-denominational pastor made a a huge uh, splash, a huge something by like having a very similar view of like, you know what, it's okay now. And so we have the church that's like, do like, trying to lure people in by the way of the world and and we're not even holding to the teachings anymore, how can we expect like the average Christian to have like that fork in the road, like are you gonna commit to God or not when the church isn't willing to do that? You know, people like to say, you know, there's just a difference between the Old Testament and the new. No, in the Old Testament, like Joshua is sitting there and saying, choose for yourself. Are are you gonna follow the ways of of these people, these godless people that live in the land, or are you gonna follow God? That's what John's saying in 1 John 2.15. It's the same message. The God of the old is the same as the God of the new. Second fork that I want you to wrestle with this morning is this. The fork, a spiritual fork in the road, any kind of fork, leads to different places. That's the thing about a fork. One's going to go in this direction, one's going to go in the other. Pick one. Because you can't go to two places in one time. And when we follow that spiritual fork. When we follow that, you know what? It's for me and for my household. We're going to serve the Lord. Everything that you do and everything that you see, every way that you are in life, it's going to have a different angle to it, a different twist to it. Because let's just take our homes. If you're if you're following like the pleasures of this world, then what's important in a home? Well, the neighborhood that you live in. Um, it's a status symbol getting the most house that you can for you know the money that you have and 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 the pleasures that are associated with like living there listen if you're following like the ways of the world those are going to be your priorities and and many of the people that go that route like they're broke because they're spending so much on their house But if you're not trying to follow the ways of the world, a house serves a different function. I want a house because, well, I, I want to have a roof over my head to keep me dry when it rains. You know, I, oh, I want to have, a, you know, to be warm, like when it's cold in the winter and I want to be cool when it's hot in the summer, right? But I don't want to be broke because I'm spending all my money. It's, it's not about like the pleasures of, of, of what all you can fit into a house and, and, and the status of living in certain communities. You just come at it from a different perspective, the same thing with our cars. Let's be honest. Like, if you're caught up in the ways of the world, you, you know you want those luxury cars. You want those, you know, bells and whistles. One, it's a status symbol. Too. Like, man, they do some really cool things. And and, and, and like, though, it doesn't matter that it's like a, someone's mortgage payment. You know, to pay for this thing, that that's what you want. But if you come coming at it from another direction, like, listen, I need a reliable transportation to get from here from there so i'm not saying like you get this clunker but but it's not a status symbol and and it just needs to kind of get the job done and you know what if it gets a ding if it gets a scratch if it gets a bump it's just a vehicle to get me from here to work and from here to there our jobs are are different when we understand them when we're walking in in obedience to god rather than the way of the world in our jobs what kind of jobs are we going to take we're going to take our jobs that pay the most A job that has the the greatest opportunity for advancement. A a job that that may have more prestige or power or authority or all these other things that that would be important to us. If you're coming at it from like faith and following God, it's like, where does God want me to be? Which might not be who's willing to pay me the most. And that my identity is not drawn up by my job, but it's like, you know, who can I help? How can I serve God through this? How can I more faithfully give back to him? You see, like, there's just, it's a, every aspect in life will be seen differently when when we're walking on that that fork of the road that is obedience to God, of of who are you going to serve this day? Every aspect. From the way that we dress... Once again, like, how are we gonna dress? Are you dressing for compliments? Are you dressing to to get the guy's attention to look at you because you look really hot in it? Or, or, Or are you just dressing to functionally go about your day and be comfortable? How we eat, how we drink, where we work, how you live and even how you die will all look differently if you're walking in obedience to Christ. And then lastly, and then I want to look at a couple of these questions. When at a fork in the road, don't judge the best way by the easiest way. And I think this is the one that fools Christians the most. Because there's this false perception that God will lead me down the easiest path. He will open the doors for me that, that blessing will be like, you know, the way that I should take. But was that true for Abraham? I mean, the easiest thing Abraham could have done is at 80 years old is say, you know what, God, I- I'm gonna stay on this path right now, I- I'm old. I don't really wanna move across you know, hundreds of miles of country to a place that I've never been and start over. I- I'm too old for that. It, it would have been easier to stay. Moses, I mean, he he had fled from Egypt because as a young man he had killed someone. He had married, he had a good father in law, he he was a herdsman, he had a comfortable life. God was calling him to go back to Egypt and confront Pharaoh. The easier decision was just to keep doing what he was doing. Even Jesus. Think about the temptations that Satan had of jesus that that one of those temptations was satan showed jesus all of the kingdoms of the world he said look it out and see all these kingdoms of the world they can all be yours if you just simply bow down and worship me that was the easy way but jesus knew there was another way and that was that he would have to go and take the sins of the world upon himself to be whipped beaten suffer and die And then all the kingdoms of the world would be his as he is the king of kings and lord of lords. He could have done it the other way. But the easy way is seldom the right way. In fact, I would challenge you with this. I believe that God puts forks in the road for us to test us. Are you gonna follow like your way? Are you gonna follow the easy way? Or are you gonna follow my way? Now, I said I would kind of like you guys to to consider some of these questions in the book um, later today or maybe throughout the week. Here's three in particular that, that I'd like you to take a look at. The first is question number one. In what ways am I at a fork in the road right now in terms of my life and my family and my work? I said there's all kinds of crossroads. There's small ones that happen every day. Some of you might just be dealing with small ones, but some of you in here are dealing with big ones. What are, what are some crossroads that you're facing right now? And how are you deciding which path to take? Are, are, are you trying to go to the easiest one? Are you trying to go the most comfortable one, the, 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 the one that's the safest, the one that pays you the most? Or are you trying to follow the one that God's calling you to? Because if you're going to choose what's best for you, basically out of a, a worldly, earthly perspective, you're going to receive worldly and earthly blessings. But if we make those decisions and follow those paths based off of being a faithful follower of God who just seeks to walk according to his will and a way and to serve him with all of our heart, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength, then your blessings will be heavenly. The second question that I want you guys to wrestle with this week is this, how would your life look differently if you follow God's path rather than your own? And there's two parts to that question. I want you to be authentic and honest with yourself, and I want you to look back into your past. If you had been a teenager and followed God's path rather than your own, how would your life have turned out differently? <clears throat> if you had been following God's path rather than your own, would you have chosen a different job? Would you have chosen a different spouse? Would you have parented differently? If you could go back and do it all over, how would your life look different today? But you didn't. And so maybe you suffer suffer the consequences of not being faithful to God in your decisions. And I think once we realize, you know what? I, I brought a lot of junk in my life by not walking in obedience to God, then as we look forward, it, we, we can't change the past, but we can change the future. And the, the question is, is, like, as you walk in obedience to God, what's some things right now that you could do differently? does it affect how much you drink or how much you eat? Does, does, does it affect your friend group? Does it affect how you parent? Or if some of you are past the parenting age, does it affect how you grandparent? Does it affect you know, dating? Does it affect marriage? Does it affect your career? How does like being faithful to God and walking according to his obedience, how does that change your life? Going forward. And then lastly, this as we stand at that fork in the road, how will this congregation look differently if all of us as individuals start choosing to follow God rather than following the world? You know, we're a bunch of individuals, but we make up a church. You might want to think of it as we make up a team. You know, the football teams are playing this week, right? You know the difference between a good team and a bad team. Does anyone like playing on a bad team? No, everyone wants to play on a good team. Well, what separates a good team from a bad team? Maybe some of it's coaching, maybe some of it's talent and skill, but a lot of it is is everyone on the team like playing to their full potential? Because if everyone's playing to their full potential, that team's going to be better than what it otherwise would be. No team's perfect, no individual's perfect, no church is perfect, but are we all coming together and, and, and truly seeking to follow God with all of our heart, mind, and strength? And if the answer is yes, then I mean, we're, we're playing on a good team. but it all starts with each and every one of us each and every one of us as individuals. Deciding, are you willing to take your faith seriously? Are you willing to make that commitment now that you know what, I'm not gonna follow the easy way, I'm not gonna follow the things of this world, I'm I'm gonna follow faithful obedience to God. Because in the end, each one of us has to choose for ourselves but I encourage you with the words of Joshua, that they would be the words for each and every one of us. Decide for yourselves this day, but as for me and for my house, we will serve the Lord. Will you join me in a word of prayer? Gracious Almighty God, we just thank and praise you for this this time together this morning. And we live in a a time in which the, the church barely resembles anything of the God of the Bible. I don't know where each and every one of us are at this morning, gracious God. I don't know what crossroads we face. But I just pray, gracious God, that in all the decisions that we make, we wouldn't chase after the things of this world. but that we would walk in faithful obedience to you. And that as individuals, we would experience that heavenly blessing of doing so. And that as a church, we might receive such blessings as as well, not based upon attendance and numbers and rock walls and things of this world, But but as genuine followers of Christ, seeking to follow you and to reach as many for you as possible. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. Amen.